Now, we are practitioners of bhakti yoga. I remember my first university graduate class I had in Hinduism. They told that bhakti is for the emotional, <laughs> jnana is for the intellectual, and karma yoga is for the, the physical, you know, kind of people. This is nonsense, actually. Um, and just... Uh, Uh, when I, I joined the movement, you know, I was in my, my uh, I just finished all my coursework for a PhD in religious studies, and the devotees told me, you should quit, you know, they showed me what Prabhupada said, the modern educational institutions are the slaughterhouse of the young, <laughs> so you should quit. So I asked my temple president, well, I've already, you know, I've just finished all my coursework, you really? so he wrote to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said, no, I should get a PhD. And the devotees in the temple were shocked. And they, then they said, they figured out, oh, no, you should quit anyway. He's just telling you that because you're attached. <laughs> but actually, Prabhupada had something in mind, and he gathered a bunch of us together and formed a Bhaktivedanta Institute with people with advanced degrees in different subjects. And... Um, yeah, uh, uh, he takes, and the reason he's interested in this as a path of knowledge, because in the Bhagavad Gita, the seventh chapter, the title of that chapter is Knowledge of the Absolute. And here is what Krishna says, uh, text two. Jnanam teham savijnanam midam bhaksyam yasheshataha. Yajnatva nehambu avashishyate. Now I shall declare unto you in full this knowledge, both phenomenal and numinous. This being known, nothing further shall remain for you to know. How about that? Huh? That's a pretty bold claim. Who can say something like that? Well, Krishna, actually. <laughs> So if he says it can be done, so here he says jnanam and vijnanam. That has different uh, aspects of it, but uh, this jnanam savijnanam. So Prabhupada actually had to start a journal at one time called savijnanam, because jnana means basically book knowledge. Uh, Vigyana means experience knowledge. The Sanskrit V in the beginning is a kind of all-purpose intensifier. Uh, so Vigyana is, in this case is, is really stuff you see. As he says later on in the Bhagavad Gita, Pratyaksha avagamam dharmyam. Pratyaksha. You'll see this right in front of your eyes by direct perception of the self. Not like, uh, like a scientific researcher. Have you seen it? Yeah, here in my microscope, you know, I'll show you the slides. <laughs> you can see. So there's a way of ascertaining things. Uh, so I shall declare you in full this knowledge. Phenomenal means the world around us that we see here, the material world, and what's beyond the material world. Uh, and when you know this knowledge... Uh, uh, then he said, there's nothing left to know. You'll know everything that there is to know. 
Now, this is an outrageous claim. <laughs> but Krishna is making it. Hmm? And Prabhupada says in his purport, complete knowledge includes knowledge of the phenomenal world, the spirit behind it, and the source of both of them. This is transcendental knowledge. So he's telling it to uh, uh, Arjuna. Uh, and he goes on and says how, how, how rare it is. And Prabhupada says at the end of the purport, when the cause of all causes becomes known, then everything knowable becomes known. And nothing remains unknown. So this is the cause of all causes is Brahman. Janma dasiyataha. That from which everything comes. Uh, we understand that this means Krishna and Krishna's energies. That's what there is. There's Krishna and Krishna's energies. He has spiritual energies in the spiritual world and his material energies here and the spirit souls that are in here. His internal potency, material potency, and what's called the marginal potency. These are his energies. But if you go to Krishna, then you'll know in full. Because Krishna includes everything. Nothing is different from Krishna, even though Krishna is different from everything. This is the philosophy in the Bhagavad Gita, as explained and understood by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. Or as he puts it somewhere else, there's nothing but Sri Krishna. Yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and except his own primordial personality. Uh, so this is, this is uh, our understanding. So Prabhupada says this, when the cause of all causes becomes known, then everything knowable becomes known and nothing remains unknown. He's talking about uh, devotees who are... Uh, and then he quotes the uh, Mundaka Upanishad, 113. Kasmin Bhagavo Vijnate Sarvam Midam Vijnatam Bhavati. Same thing in Sanskrit. This is the Upanishad, says says this. So, is this claim outrageous or not? How can we believe it? How can we understand it? You know, we're classified as a religious organization. This Bhagavad Gita, people say, oh, this is a scripture. It's an article of faith, uh, uh, not knowledge. Uh, uh, this is a scripture of the Hindu religion. Now, when... Uh, Arjuna is here hearing this from Krishna. He's not thinking now, or Krishna doesn't say to him, now I'm going to teach you a scripture of the Hindu religion. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you about everything there is to know. So these categories that people have, religion, you know, they're, all, they're messed up. Just like in our process of Krishna consciousness, we tell people if you want to become an de initiated devotee and a progressive person on this path of knowledge, one of the, the requirements eventually, we have four regulative principles. Uh, no eating meat, fish, or eggs. Preferably only Krishna prasadam, food that's been offered to Krishna. 
No, but at least no eating meat, fish, or eggs. No intoxication. No whiskey, no, no, anyway, all the things that people get high on, whatever it may be, pills, no intoxication, no illicit sex, no recreational sex, <laughs> sex for propagation of children, and no gambling or speculative enterprises. The three, four, you know, major industries of <laughs> of uh, occupations of people, none of these things. And they're difficult, especially if, like those of us raised in the modern world where, you know, when I was growing up, pornography was very difficult to find, but now, you know. Uh, so things have gotten really worse along these lines of intoxication, illicit sex, gambling, and so on. There were no casinos, except you had to go to Las Vegas now that Online, yeah. anyway, I don't have to tell you all about these evils, but we, these are the four principles we follow. And people find, oh, you know, why do we have to follow these principles? It's very, very difficult, you know. Uh, but they're afraid maybe, you know, if I, if, I, if I want to go to heaven, I have to follow them. If I, if I misbehave, I, I go to hell and so on. But that, because we think of these as moral principles, but they're principles of knowledge. They are really noetic, if I can use a fancy word. They're really principles of knowledge. Now, if you go to any place that's uh, advertising themselves, they're giving you really knowledge, any advanced graduate studies, any, nobody tells you you have to follow these principles. That means they have no access. But these are actually principles of knowledge. Because knowledge, according to the Bhagavad Gita, this, this uh, pratyaksha avagamam dharmyam, or vijnana, this direct perception uh, that includes, ultimately includes everything by, by experience, this direct perception depends upon Purity of consciousness. Even within the material world, according to the Bhagavad Gita anyway, knowledge depends upon sattva, goodness. The, uh, used to be that the Brahminical class who guided society were those people who were situated in sattva guna. And they followed those kinds of principles as a general rule. Uh, that used to be the standard of advancement in society. Uh, but now, uh, Prabhupada remarks, he says, formerly, sattva, purity, was a sign of advancement. Now, he says, the standard of advancement is rajaguna, in the mode of passion. More and more money, more and more power, more, more and more enjoyment. Our, how, when we say that a country is advanced, we are saying that it is advanced in terms of the mode of passion. How much money is there? How much sense gratification is available? That's, a, that's advancement. If you, I can predict the future from that. 
Because Bhagavad Gita said the result of the mode of passion is misery. The mode of goodness, sattva guna, happiness. But rajaguna, misery. And tamaguna, just bewilderment and total confusion. And so that's where we're headed. If some people have noticed that already and are saying, saying, what to do? But they don't even know anymore about the standard of, they don't understand even about the sattva rajaguna, tamaguna. That's one thing everybody should learn from the Bhagavad Gita, how to recognize these things, and then you can diagnose a great many things that are wrong with society. So this is, this is knowledge. So knowledge depends upon sattva, on purity. Then the consciousness starts to become clear. Right now our consciousness is polluted. And we are, our process of devotional service of Krishna consciousness purifies this consciousness. Uh, the, the, even, you know, the Pantanjali Yoga Sutra, you know, the same thing that that sattva has to be there. Although the method is very difficult, you have to leave society, you have to go to the mountains, you have to practice really very, very difficult uh, uh, control of the senses and control of the mind. You have to be able to sit like this with the vines growing up around you sometimes, you know, for a very long time. Slow your breathing down. It's very hard. And you can't do it in a modern urban environment at all. But our process that's been given to us by Lord Chaitanya is this purification by mantra. Now, when I became a devotee, I'd been studying religion in graduate school for three years, uh, four years. And uh, I had decided I was looking for what I, in different religions, to see what they had in common, at their high, what to me was their highest level. And I had decided that Lord Buddha had said, he said, uh, he said, life is suffering, meaning material life. And I could see that. That was really clear to me. Now, some people never get it. Donald Trump hasn't understood this yet. You know? <laughs> but I could see that. If you want to be happy in this material world, don't grow old. That's my first advice. But you could see that uh, Mr. Trump has not failed, has not succeeded in this one. <laughs> He's growing old, although he, you know. We have various means of disguising it and stuff, but ultimately you grow old. Don't grow old. huh? So birth, death, old age, and disease, these are the problems. Solve that problem. Solve the death problem. Solve the old age problem. Solve the disease problem. Medical science has gotten rid of one group of diseases and another have come in to take their place. And there's a whole uh, story that a lot of diseases, a huge number of diseases, are iatrogenetic. Do you know that term, iatrogenetic? Iatros is the Greek word for physician. Doctor, uh, doctors. Iatrogenetic diseases are diseases caused by medical treatment. <laughs> but they like to say iatrogenetic, it sounds bad. <laughs> anyway, so... These are the problems in life. 
Life is suffering, I agree. The cause of the suffering are our desires, our craving, our attachments. I could, I could see that. And then the next thing was you have to extirpate these desires, uproot these desires. So I tried a little bit, and I didn't go get very far. So the first time I went to the temple, they talked about these regular principles right off the bat. And I could see the people around me were getting kind of, uh, where's the exit? No illicit sex. I mean, this was the 60s, you know, and no intoxication. That was the doors to liberation, that one. Uh, <laughs> Look at and I thought, he's telling the truth. And I got really interested. He's telling the truth. And then, then the, the devotee said that if you want to control the senses, you have to give them spiritual engagement. And he said that begins with the tongue. To, first of all, to taste. So you should only eat Krishna prasadam, vegetarian food that's been offered to Krishna. And for sound production, you should chant the Hare Krishna mantra. So I thought, let me try. I was already a vegetarian, pretty much. You know, but let me. So I got a set of beads. Somebody taught me how to chant. And I went home and I started chanting just to see what would happen. That was the extent of my faith that I was really to try it out. And my material desires began to decrease. Very quickly, actually. Quite powerfully. And I got really scared. Who are these people? This is powerful. What am I doing? I quit chanting. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I felt awful. So I, again, I started chanting and I got some books. Because I thought the devotees were pretty crazy. And, and, and so, you know, then, then gradually I could understand that this is a very powerful process. And then... I was, you know, I, I, my area of study was theology and uh, philosophy of religion. And uh, then uh, Prabhupada's Isha Upanishad came out. And I thought that I had read the Isha Upanishad in classes. Nobody understood what it meant. Even the translator said he didn't know what it meant. And then Prabhupada laid it out very, very clearly in very simple language. So that, well, anyway, well, I became a devotee. But it was the search for knowledge, actually, that brought me to Krishna consciousness. I had to be satisfied on that term. So these principles, these are principles of knowledge. It causes that Hare Krishna Maha Mantra disinfects the mind. And if you want to control your senses, that's where it really, by this mantra, it, 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 it is like a, a, the, the antidote to the poison of material existence. And it works, if you want it to work. I mean, the reason, I mean, my material desires went away so fast, I thought, well, maybe I don't want, I, I want my material, you know. It said the Saint Augustine used to pray with a Christian saint in the, fourth century, fifth century. Lord, give me chastity, but not just yet. <laughs> so I was sort of like that. Yeah, I want to become free from desires, but maybe not so fast. So you have to make up your mind what you want. But if you want it, it's there. And so this, when we, so our knowledge, because Krishna includes the world while he transcends it, when, that, when Krishna is known, 
then all other things become known. This is a fact. You'll, so, but, so how, when we see the world today, we have left Krishna out of the picture. All we know is there's, you know, there's a scientist and there's material energy, and we are And what is our quest for knowledge really based on? The desire to be the enjoyer and the controller. The point of material science and of our knowledge is to control material nature, to predict and control material nature. It is, in fact, a God project. We are trying to make ourselves into God. And we say things that we are going to control nature. That was the whole big thing, you know? Yeah, we're going to eliminate disease. We're going to throw DDT all over everything, and there'll be no more malaria. And then we, whoa, look what happened. We didn't know about that effect, so we go back. And so many of our problems today are like iatrogenetic problems, ones we have caused, like climate change. And so, whoa, we didn't know about that part. Now, there people still have faith in the human race ability to make itself into God. The problems caused by technology can be solved by more technology. The same idiots. <laughs> because I tell you what's stupidity. The foundation of stupidity is pride. And we're on the path of pride. When, they, when, they, when they're sending the rocket ships up, what are we going to do? What's the phrase? Conquer space. Now think about that. <laughs> Conquer space? Really? We're so little and it's so big, I think we're going to conquer space? So here is another path of knowledge, which, and this, our path, so, so this, the, the, the one here, we are dealing with the material world so far as we can understand it with our limited experience and our limited senses, and with the idea that I am the enjoyer and the controller, which I am not, actually. We can find out, we think we can control material nature, but it is way beyond us. And we try to do a little bit here, and we find out, with the, oh, they had this effect over there, we didn't know. We try to understand the past, and most of it has disappeared from the record. Even, the, you know, evolutionary biologists have to deal with the fact that, that maybe 70% of the fossil record is gone, just eroded away by, you know, disappeared. And then you dig a few holes and you say, okay, this, 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 and let's put it together and see what we can connect the dots. And then you dig another hole. Oh, there's this we didn't know. So, you know, in my lifetime, dinosaurs have changed quite a bit already. <laughs> and they always say, you know, we used to think, but now we know. But whatever it is today we know is tomorrow's we used to think. And this process of inductive knowledge, there's no end to it. Uh, uh, so, but here, the, our method is a little different. It's also a method of purification of consciousness. Uh, of, of, and it used to be that way, actually. Universities in the West, and actually, if you look at in, in India, too, all the Brahminical activities 
the priests, the university, the people, first university students in the West, you know, where the academic ground comes from, gown that graduates wear, those are priests, what priests used to wear. That's who the people who would go to universities, the Brahmanas, who are supposed to be the brains of society. When Prabhupada was in New York, I was there in an airport, the reporter said to him, why have you come to the West? Prabhupada said, I have come to give you a brain. <laughs> They're writing down, you know, the pin stop. He said, and he explains how the human society has to have head, arms, belly, and legs, the four varnas, he said. He said, your society is headless. And then he said, actually, in your society, everyone is a shudra, and there are a few vaishas. That was his estimation of Western society. Thinking of scientists as kind of very sophisticated shudras, you make things, you know. <laughs> and but, but they're all employed by the Vaishas, the corporate owners. Uh, right? And that's what he said. Everyone is a, That means we have not even seen in our own experience a real kshatriya or a real brahmana. They're all employees of the Vaishas. <laughs> Those people who should be kshatriyas and brahmanas there. Huh? That's what he said. So I've come to give you a brain. And he wanted us to be that brain. So this is our, we go to Krishna, consciousness becomes purified. And then we start to, actually, I mean, Krishna is in our heart. He's not really far away. We just can't see him. But as consciousness becomes purified, we, we can understand the idea, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit. I'm not matter. I'm not this body. Body means this gross body and the subtle body, the mind. It's good know, very good news to know you're not your gross body, because look what happens to it. It's better news to know you're not your mind, because look what our own mind is like. But though, but, but, the mind and the body, they start to become purified, and then you can understand, I am the spirit soul. The symptom of the, the presence of the soul is consciousness. And we can se separate that which is conscious from the thing that we are conscious of. And we can start to get a sense of ourselves as a spiritual being. Eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. And in, <coughs> together with the individual jiva, the individual atma is the paramatma, situated in everyone's heart. I'm situated in everyone's heart, Krishna says. From me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. That relationship is going on, but we're not aware of it. We start to become aware of it. And the presence of at least the paramatma, the super-soul feature of the Lord, becomes evident to us. Can you, can you doubt your own existence? No, you can't, right? Because who's doubting? So you, your own existence as a spiritual being, you know, infallibly. And it's because Krishna is also spirit, once that realization, that perception of Krishna's presence in your own heart becomes known, you can no more doubt God's existence than you can doubt your own. 
That's not dogmatism, it's just a fact. And then you can begin to see how Krishna is working uh, in everyone. And then uh, gradually more and more comes to be known. And part of our project includes uh, understanding this world. We don't turn away from it. We don't say it's just illusion. It's always Krishna's energy. Uh, but to see it as Krishna's energy, it looks very different from the way we see it, from our mentality of being the exploiters and the enjoyers of this energy. And that's our project that I'm working on now, the Temple of the Vedic Planetarium. In the Temple of the Vedic Planetarium, it shows the model of the universe based on the Bhagavatam. One form of God is the world around us. It's the Vishwarupa, the universal form. Krishna shows it to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. <coughs> and, but then if you, if you read the Bhagavatam, in the first two chapters, there are five different descriptions of the Vishwarupa. Nature is divine. Everything belongs to Krishna and it's related to Krishna. We have de-divinized the world with our greedy mentality. Uh, uh, that's what we have done. So we don't see it that way. But even Prabhupada said in one lecture, don't see a tree, see Krishna. That means if I just see a tree and I think, oh, this is a nice tree for me to enjoy, this is a nice tree for me for a harvest for wood, I think, I know I should see this tree, it belongs to Krishna. It's actually a living being like me, but is in that body. Or the, in, the, in the descriptions of the universe, we can think of these trees as the hair on Krishna's body. Just like the Potomac River down here is one of the veins in Krishna's body. And there's a whole way to start looking at the world that way as being part and parcel of Krishna. This is not pantheism. It's not that nature is God, but it is definitely divine and it is one of the forms of God. There are different descriptions. How to see nature like that? And then the whole fifth canto of the Bhagavatam which gives a very detailed description of the universe that doesn't look like the universe we experience. Beginning and end, it says, this is the gross body of the Lord. So there's another way of learning about this world. And by that way, you go to Krishna, and then you come back to the world again as seeing it uh, as Krishna sees it. And that's what it says, actually. That, that uh, when uh, in, the, in the Bhagavatam, you, you'll find a verse that tells us how this works. That when you uh, 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 look at the world uh, through the eyes of uh, scripture that you will the Bhagavatam it's the, 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 what the Bhagavatam says this is, this is in the fourth canto uh, Krishna says about this 
about this uh, uh, way of seeing the world. I thought I had it up here, but I don't have the exact text. But what, what, he, what he says is, is, is that a person who is uh, sattva eka nishta, uh, situated in pure sattva, or the mind, manasi, in the mind, situated in pure sattva, and Bhagavad Parshva, standing very close to the Lord, that person can see this world in the same way that the Lord sees it. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, in his commentary on that verse, says that means he sees it directly. Our seeing here is actually indirect. But you can see it the way God sees it. So that's his vision of the how the world is. Uh, we don't have the passport uh, to get into all these parts of the universe. We are excluded to our limited little troublesome place. But you can get that passport by prescribed methods. And you can... By, which is described, sattva eka nishta, situated in pure devotional service, pure sattva, not even the material sattva, but vishuddha sattva, and next to Krishna, in association with Krishna, then one can, one can see the world in that uh, fashion uh, the, as Krishna uh, uh, sees it. Uh, Prabhupada writes, he says, uh, in a, well, he said in a lecture, those who are actually advanced in Krishna consciousness, they can understand that everything is Krishna. That is really Brahman realization. And again, he quotes that same verse from the Mundaka Upanishad. If you simply understand Krishna, then you understand what is Paramatma, what is Brahman, what is material cosmic manifestation, everything you understand and when you understand Krishna properly, you will see that everything is Krishna because everything is Krishna's energy. Uh, so this is uh, uh, our understanding, and, and Prabhupada wants us to go ahead with it. Uh, and so he says that uh, our, our project is to understand uh, uh, in this manner, uh, he says, uh, he says, you take the root, Krishna, and then you will understand everything properly from the root. If you want to understand the tree, the whole tree, you try to understand it from the root, uh, from, uh, uh, from, not from the, starting from the top, right? Uh, so this is uh, the path of knowledge. Uh, and we need a new kind of university. And Prabhupada has promised us, he has said, that as you come to this understanding, you'll make many important discoveries. It's not that we will neglect the useful things that we need, uh, but we will actually have to be have a kind of science that is in harmony with the universe, uh, with with the rest of the universe, and not trying to bully material nature, 
but to cooperate with her. And uh, material nature will serve us uh, rather than uh, be put into a brothel or something that we can uh, try to enjoy and control. Uh, anyway, that's, that's our project. Uh, that's how knowledge can take place. Uh, and we are proceeding with this. We are, are going, going to uh, see where it goes. And I think that one day, at first everyone will be skeptical. First of all, no one wants to follow the four regular principles. Uh, but we have to make this alternative there and have it ready, because the day will come when people will turn to this. This method of knowledge of going to Krishna, and then from Krishna going back down into the world, and seeing everything, uh, 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 to see everything in connection with Krishna, we have to use everything in Krishna's service, both our own senses and everything around us. And then we will see uh, wonderful things start to happen. And in this Kali Yuga, this worst of ages, there will be a golden age, like Satya Yuga, as good as Satya Yuga because of this. That's our project. I will leave a little time for questions, is there? I don't know. I'm... Hi, Maharaj. Um, the question is about spirit soul. Um, when, you think, when you think of the definition of spirit, like you say this person is ably spirited, that means he's strong of spirit. Mm -hmm. But in this case, the spirit soul, does that mean a spirit soul, we mean all strength? Is that what the meaning of spirit you, is? You, in this you sense? have strength because of the presence of the soul. The soul uh, is the life force. Uh, when the soul leaves the body at the time of death, where does the strength go? It's what animates us, what makes us alive. Uh, so that I, you know, this is a piece of matter right here. Like my, my hand is a piece of matter. Uh, uh, and I can make it move. Uh, I, this, this bottle, uh, it's another piece of matter. I can't make it move I, this way because uh, this, the, the, the life force in my body makes all these connected parts animated. So that's, that's also a symptom of spirit. But that, that spirit soul is actually spirit. Spirit in the sense of sat, chit, and ananda. It's eternal. Right now, because I identify myself with the body, I think that when the body dies, I die. But I don't. I change bodies. I have to get kicked out. So, satchit, and full of knowledge, and full of ananda. I, I experience myself because I identify with the body as asat, temporary, achit, stupid, and nirananda, miserable. <coughs> Uh, that's uh, that's uh, or only flickering happiness at best. Huh? That's that's due to our misidentification of the self. So what becomes clear is that this idea, entry level spiritual life, aham brahmasmi, I am spirit, and the corollary is I'm not matter, I'm not the body. But the body is working and moving because of the spirit. Not just Atma, but Paramatma. Because when my, I lift my hand, I can't tell you how I did it. I have no idea. 
But all I know is if this piece of material nature, I want it to go up, it does it. So spirit is not necessarily just strength. It mean, it, no. The, quali- the spirit is basically satchit anand. Is that what? Yeah, consciousness, just consciousness, just being there. Just consciousness itself is the first symptom of the spirit soul. And then that soul animates the body and causes motion, activity, and so on. At the time of death, the body becomes unanimated. <laughs> right. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Dandavat Pranam, all Glowish Srila Prabhupada. Prabhu, nice lecture, actually, great analogy, like uh, where you uh, compare Krishna as. Uh, you know, everything, like you give the example, the tree example of the tree as mm-hmm. a hair of the Krishna and then the Potomac River as a vein of the mm-hmm. Krishna. So in that context, how we compare ourselves, like uh, in that analogy, as a human, like how where do- we lying, uh, where you will compare as a human, like the tree as a hair of the Krishna, right? Uh-huh. Where we humans? are. Uh-huh. <laughs> what does it say in the universal form? The animals are as belt zones? <laughs> but the, hum- the humans are divided as, as head, arms, and belly, and leg in the universal form, too. I mean, there are different ways of looking at the universal form. And it's somewhat metaphorical, sometimes. Like, like, like the, 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 this upper head, sometimes the higher planets, you know, with the, with the, the devas... Uh, and so on, but the, generally the human society is also like a body. So the brahmanas are the heads, the kshatriyas are the arms and the shoulders, the vaishyas the belly, shudras the legs, uh, like that also. That's also part of the another way of looking at the universal form. The universal form sometimes is like a human being, but uh, in, uh, in another part of the Bhagavatam, it's uh, Makara. Yeah. So the different uh, kind of ways of looking at it. So it's something like a little bit of metaphorical in the descriptions of the universal form, but uh, so sometimes use the human body and sometimes uh, uh, the Shishumara uh, 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 is used also in the fifth canto. Hare Krishna Maharaj Ji. Um, Maharaj Ji, my question is like, uh, you said like the for everything, you know, like a foundation, uh, you know, is like pride and that's why, you know, we make mistakes and we, mm-hmm. you know, ask like silly questions or something. So I just wanted to know like what to do, like how to make our capacity so big that we are left with no pride. We understand that everything is Krishna so, but still, and you know, in our limited limitations, like we are attached. So, how to get that veragya? Is that how to get ve- uh, detachment? Like you know, detachment. Ve- huh? Yeah, like then it well, helps. Like yeah, to 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 become detached is to see uh, uh, just train ourselves that everything belongs to Krishna. I belong to Krishna. And everything belongs to Krishna. Nothing is mine. And we just, but we have to really engage everything in Krishna's service. Uh, uh, 
Uh, and so we have our senses. We, we have our knowledge-acquiring senses, the, the, the gyanindriya and the karmindriya, these little hands here, pickers and stealers. But we can use these same things that we use for so many nefarious things, like pickpocketing and whatever, you know, for, for Krishna's service. So the more we engage our senses in Krishna's service, the more we see things as they are. That, that, that we are part of parcel of Krishna. So the nice thing about bhakti, bhakti means rishikesha rishikenam sevanam bhakti ruchate. Bhakti means to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses. And Prabhupada says, like if we take a drink of water, well, you're thirsty, that's, but you say, thank you, Krishna, for quenching my thirst. I have thirst, but there's water, and I can, you know, so we, in this way, we uh, always develop the, I mean, just consciousness of Krishna. Uh, I'm just very aware every time that I can't even sit here and talk if it weren't for Krishna's mercy. I don't know how my tongue works. I don't even know how my brain works. Nobody knows how the brain works now. <laughs> and, and, of course, uh, scientists, the more they research, the more they know they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because but how is it happening, you know? This is all Krishna's arrangement. And so I can't do anything without Krishna's mercy. I can't see anything without Krishna's seeing it first. I can't hear anything without Krishna's hearing it first. He's, that Krishna is my environment. A and gradually one becomes, you know, f aware of that. Krishna everywhere. And, and then we lose the idea that I am the enjoyer. Because we're here because we want to become the Lord. To, to, to control material nature, to control other people, to be the enjoyer and the controller. This is our God project. And as we get rid of that mentality, let Krishna be the, let me be enjoyed by Krishna. And Prabhupada said once, a devotee, has no way, no other way of experiencing happiness except by seeing that Krishna is happy in all respects. When Krishna becomes happy, I discover the more I forget about my own happiness, isolated happiness, and worry about Krishna's happiness, the more happiness I actually feel. And the more I concerned with, with, with glorifying Krishna, the more I become satisfied. So that my, my consciousness of self is, I am the servant of Krishna. That's our way of, or to that point. Hare Krishna. Uh, question is, how you define the Krishna services, like examples? Uh, well, uh, whatever you do, <laughs> sorry, do it in my service. You what? Uh, what? Whatever you eat, whatever you offer, you give it away, make it, do it as an offering to me. This is a very basic idea. Uh, so generally what we, we find somebody who is already a servant of Krishna and say, how can I serve you? A Prabhupada came and said, can we help you? What can we do? Well, I would like you to go on the street and chant Hare Krishna. I would like you to... Take uh, uh, this lecture uh, of Krishna consciousness, listen to and study Bhagavad Gita, and then give it to others. Our basic idea is 
two, two rules, uh, orders from Prabhupada. Become Krishna conscious yourself and give it to others. Share it. The basic, you know, the word bhakti, budge, the basic verbal, Sanskrit verbal root means to share. So we share it with others. Become Krishna conscious and give it to others. That's the highest welfare for yourself and for everybody else. And how to do that in your particular practical circumstances? There are plenty of people around. You can ask for decent advice. And start somewhere. Start somewhere. When you go home and you at home you make a you 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 take an apple and you peel it and you chop it up and you offer it to to Lord Chaitanya. That's service. You start with one. So, uh, generally, we start with chanting Hare Krishna. Uh, with a vow, it's very good. Like those of us who are initiated devotees, we have a, a vow to chant 16 rounds a day. But you don't have to start that way. Just make a vow, one round. To have somebody teach you how to chant one round of japa. And make a vow, I'll chant one round every day. It won't take you more than 10 minutes. But that one round, you try to do it re really well. Focus your mind on the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Your mind wanders, bring it back. That's medicine. It may be hard at first because we live in an age of distraction. And it's the same three words over and over again. But you just force your mind to pay attention and you'll find things start to change. It works. It works. If you have a fever, you take some aspirin, the fever, you know, this, it works. The fever of material existence will start to go down. Then you wonder, what will I do with myself? We have plenty for you to do. <laughs> you don't need, you know, 250 cable channels <laughs> to get you through this world. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, I have two questions, which are possibly naive questions. First one is, um, where is the soul situated? Is it spread all over the body, or is it in, within uh, your no, heart? No, the soul is said it's in the heart. Huh? So it means, I guess, the, the heart chakra that it is there. But the, the, but the currents of the soul, the, the effulgence of consciousness is spread throughout the body. But this is the actual location of the soul is generally said to be uh, here, at this, this particular heart chakra. Uh -huh. okay. And my second question is, uh, what does it really mean for the soul to be full of knowledge? What knowledge does it have? Uh, well, uh, three things. N knowledge that you are an eternal being, knowledge of spirit, and also that every other living creature is also just like you. That tree, that cat, that dog, the spirit souls are all the same. The idea of how you treat other, not just other human beings, but even animals and plants, you should take, start take that into account. Prabhupada has said that, that actually the citizens of the state, the praja, means all living beings. So if the government has to protect the citizens, actually, cows should have civil rights. 
The forest should have civil rights. There are even lawyers who are thinking like this nowadays, you know, to represent the forest in court. It's a little, you know, dicey yet, but they should actually have civil rights. We are the, we are the most liberal <laughs> in that respect. So, so you see, that, that's not you, and you start treating them that way. You start to see it. Not that I exploit and enjoy, you know. We don't have these slaughterhouses everywhere. Anyway, I don't go into. It. So you 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 see yourself as a spiritual being, other people as spiritual beings. Uh, so to know um, and to see the whole world as belonging and part of Krishna, and then you start to see Krishna everywhere, because uh, th- that tree is not just a spirit. There's a spirit soul, but wherever there's a spirit soul, there's super soul. And then the whole map is given in Bhagavad Gita. That's the preliminary study, uh, and then the uh, higher study is Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, and just any journey, you need a map. So there's a map of our spiritual journey, which is there. And there are guides to take us one step at a time. If you look at the whole thing, you may go, ah, but you know, you just have to take the next step for your spiritual. But with every, as you advance in spiritual life, you become happier, you become more assured. Uh, if you run into difficult and problem, difficulties or problems or obstacles, uh, there, if you're sincere about getting through them, you'll be guided as how to go on further and further. The devotees who can help you in this matter. And Krishna, anyone who wants to make spiritual advancement, Krishna will move heaven and earth to help. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, these things will become more and more known. So that's what knowledge is. You, you will understand the material energy properly. You will start to understand what is Krishna. We have on our altar three different times that Krishna has appeared in this world, and there are many more. I mean, some, some religions, they think, yeah, there's a personal God, but he's this kind of lonely bachelor. And other people are standing off, you know, like at a safe distance going holy, holy, holy. But this, you know, Krishna is amazing. Amazing. He can do so, so many things. Because he's in relationship with different devotees in different ways. So in those relationships, just like ourselves, I'm one person with my wife, I'm another person with him. If I go and have students in a school, I'm another person with my students. We have different personalities or aspects of ourselves that come into play when we have different relationships. So Krishna has so many different relationships with so many different devotees. And so he has these different aspects. We can only do these things sequentially one after another. I mean, the same guy who's, you know, a judge in the court, very official, can then go and put on short pants and play tennis, you know. I mean, it's very different. Krishna does all these different things at the same time with different devotees. He doesn't have to parcel himself out uh, temporarily. Well, you'll find out so much about Krishna. And Prabhupada said, people know in the West that God is great, but how great he is, they don't really understand yet. Hare Krishna Prabhuji. 
So we talked about uh, chanting as a mean or one of the ways to control your senses. So to make progress on that path, um, are there any prerequisites or conditions? Because in other lectures we heard that um, even chanting, you know, doesn't yield results if you are, let's say, for example, don't believe in the acharyas of this path. Or, or the other day we heard that mayavadis, when they chant, they it's not the right way to chant. So are there guide, I mean, rules for chanting? Yeah, gradu gradually there are. But first you can chant without anything. I mean, I, when I first chanted Hare Krishna, I didn't know all the rules. But the chanting was still effective because I was a little innocent, maybe. But it was, it was very potent. And potency is there in the beginning. So in the beginning, anyone can chant. And we say everybody can do it. But then if you want to make advancement, then one has to uh, uh, chant and try to avoid offenses or aparad, namaparad, against chanting. And there's a list of the offenses, and we study them and we try, 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 uh, try to do that. I can't get into the whole thing here at the end, and, and I will be offending you if you're hungry, because prasadam is being served, and there's prasadam. But they're, they're, that, that's the idea, to cultivate the holy name, you have to chant while trying to avoid offenses. But still, you know, the first, of, the really offense to avoid why you're chanting is inattentiveness while chanting. Give your, keep your mind attentive. It's like yoga in that sense. It's controlling the mind, focusing the mind by controlling the senses. So you chant while trying to pay attention. To give at least the holy name, the courtesy of your attention. And the mind wanders, you bring it back. The mind wanders, you bring it back. And then gradually increase, and then you can deal with the other things as time goes on. Okay. So thank you very much, Prabhu. So.